the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, we got some player news around the league. You know, to follow up on the Buccaneers-Patriots game, I know the Pats don't look very good offensively, and it doesn't seem like they feel comfortable unleashing Mac Jones to actually throw the ball down the field. But I will give credit to our guy, JBT, on our podcast last night. We were breaking down this game, and he was reading some numbers about the Buccaneers and their pass defense, and in particular on the back end. And... Their biggest problem actually isn't getting destroyed downfield. It's that, like, one to nine-yard range. Like, they are getting crushed by the numbers in the first three games. And I guess it sort of explains why they need more cornerback help. They're beat to hell at defensive back, and they have latched on to Dick Sherman, Richard Sherman, who you know has had his own problems off the field as an older guy? Can he still play? Probably, but I think it's a window into what's going on with the Buccaneers. Uh, they're a good team, not a great team right now, and they have a flaw. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I think the whole handicap here is how angry is Brady. I think that's it. I mean, because could could I see the way the Patriots are playing right now? Absolutely takes advantage of what the Bucks are struggling with. Sure, they could move the ball. But could Brady put up 70 if he wants to? Maybe? I don't think he can against that defense, against Patriots defense. I think he'll try. I mean, he's going to throw it it 80 times. I don't believe – I mean, they have to get first downs, but I don't believe that Belichick's going to let this turn into any kind of track meet. He is going to freaking grind and grind and grind. Then you're playing playing into what the Bucs want you to do. You can't run on the Bucs. Short pass game. Right. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what they're going to have to try to do. And bottom uh, line, they they are gonna you know they're gonna have to they got to trust Mac Jones a little bit and they got to get the ball down the field, you know we we, I mean it also depends on the health of the receivers, for sure. the Patriots, oh, you know, yeah. and, and who can who can get down the field. Well, and you know, who who's who are the Patriots going to go to this week? Who exploits what the Bucks are struggling with the most? James White. It's James White time this week. Uh, his hip doesn't work, so that's going to be rough. Uh, so who's going to fill that role? Like I still think it's JJ Harris, probably, but um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're you're onto something there. So you think it's going to be a blowout? Uh, I think it could be. Uh, I mean, I, I said JJ Harris, by the way, JJ Taylor. I meant. Um, yeah, I. I think it could be, but of course, like. If anybody knows how to stop Brady, isn't it Belichick? Doesn't he? Ha- if he thought that Brady was almost done, doesn't he know the secret to stopping him? And maybe he just thought, well, everybody else is going to figure this out too, and they just didn't. It's possible. I mean, he certainly the weapons are helping. I mean, we we can rave about Brady, but the fact that you know he's he's surrounded by a, a damn good team and a much better offensive team than the Patriots offered him. It's an intriguing game. I mean, I I think there's reason for everybody to be excited about it. But would I be shocked if it turned into a blowout? No. Um, I want it to be close. I want it to be down to the wire. I want it to be a mind game between Brady and Belichick. That's what I think that's what everybody wants in this game. 
Uh, but I, I feel like if there is – like the Patriots aren't blowing out the Bucks. If there's a way for it to turn into a blowout, it's that the Bucks blow them out. Before we move on, um, looking at the betting on this game, and it's very early in the week, one of the sites I look at for cash and ticket split – it's uh, 98% of the tickets, 97% of the cash Wow! on the Buccaneers. But, again, when you see numbers like that, it means there hasn't been a lot of volume. And, two, why is it not like minus 11? Right? Yeah. The number's holding steady. Well, I think there is that. Because there is the fear that if it gets too high, the Sharps are going to fire back. There's the also Patriots. the fear that Belichick knows something about Brady. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a fear. I think, I think it's legitimate. Finishing up on Sherman – Raiders obviously had some interest, or at least Gruden did, because they kept talking about him. What do you think? Just what? What end? I mean, was it? Were they close at all? And then you know the problems with the domestic incident. I would, I would think, and I'm not sure. First of all, yeah, the domestic incident was a factor, um, and that they've been pretty zero tolerance about players. Maybe not so about you know torchlighters, uh, but. You know they've been they've been pretty zero tolerance in their history about any kind of domestic incidents, uh, but I think the bigger thing is that Casey Hayward's been freaking awesome. Well, I was going to say the other part of it is Gus Bradley seems to have guys that he's worked with that he likes, and yeah. if you're going to lean on anyone on Richard Sherman, if Gus Bradley's like, nah, washed, like you, like if they wanted him, if Gus Bradley wanted him, they would have got him. Got every other guy he's ever worked with. <laughs> it would make sense. <laughs> Ooh, now, speaking about the Patriots, I can't wait till this thing comes out. You know, Seth, Seth Wickersham from ESPN did all this good work over the years. He was the one who had the, you know, the whole Kraft, Belichick, Brady riff thing. And, you know, the Patriots fans and some of the Patriots media, oh, just fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. And you and I would, would, were talking about the stories that would come out, and we're like, there's something there. You, the people just don't make up stuff like that. There's people talking. Well, now he's got a whole book on it. <laughs> And this thing looks so chock full of great angles. I'm. I know you can't wait. I haven't read a full book since my favorite book of all time, uh, Freakonomics, which is phenomenal. I wish you read that. Uh, I will be reading this book. I will read you this have book. A, you have a note here. Kraft, in this book, Kraft calls Belichick, quote, the biggest a hole in my life. Yeah, and that was. Uh, I, I looked into a little bit more context on that. Uh, Kraft was at some like gathering in Vail or Aspen, somewhere in Colorado, and he was with a bunch of friends. And he, you know, he was like, oh, "I gotta go." And like, "Oh, why are you leaving? We're having a great time." And he said, "Well, I gotta go." From some of the some of my favorite people in the world to the biggest a hole in my life, he had to go fly to the game that the Patriots were playing <laughs> and deal with Belichick, which is fantastic. Um, there's just there's so much like the teasers in this book already are great, like. Brady's anger that Belichick wouldn't meet him in person. Like, Brady decided he was going to leave. He's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go sign with Tampa. But before anybody knows, I want to sit down with Bill. Right. And he, he texts Bill. He's like, hey, we should sit down and talk. And Belichick's like, call me. He's like, well, I think we should sit down and talk. He's like, nah, I don't have, I don't have time. Do call you believe me. this? 100%. Yep. Of course I Can do. Can you imagine 20 freaking years together, this guy helped you build your legacy as the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. And you're so burned and scorned that you won't talk to him face-to-face? I mean, you and I are like the king of text us. Sure. Call us. The only time I'll which, accept. Which, by the way, is actually I'm overstating it for effect. I, I'm fine. There are situations you got to talk to someone face-to-face. No, only if you're in the car. The only time I'll accept 
Phone calls or make phone calls is in the car. That's it. If I answer your phone call, I'm in the car. So, but you're not saying you back Belichick on this. I'm team Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, because because Brady, it wasn't text or call. It was I want to meet you in person. Which who ever meets anyone in person for anything? This is this is breaking up. He's psychotic. I'd like to see the look in your eye. I'd like to look at you, man to man. I don't got time for that. That's psychotic. Who wants to see somebody in person? It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I don't need this. This is craziness. By the way, I told you yesterday, I've gotten very much into the Aaron Rodgers book club. Like, that's a thing. Aaron Rodgers every week gives a recommendation of a book to read. If he makes this the book in his book club, he will be my favorite athlete that has ever lived. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Well, I think we've been through all the dynamics of that. You know, he looked at his options and made a decision. We weren't as good an option as uh, Tampa. It wasn't a question of not one, that's for sure. Cofield and Company is live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Bill Belichick or Frank Caliendo mumbling like Bill Belichick. Hard to tell. You know, I'll say it again. The, the lack of maturity, and the guy's pushing 70 years old from Belichick. Speak English. All right, don't be a giant baby. It's a story. You can enunciate. You can project. Cut it out. Come on. And it's just accepted. It's stupid. I enjoy it. It's dumb. It's disrespectful. But you're a glutton for punishment, so I'd show you, I'm sure you'd allow a coach to do that to you repeatedly on the beat, which I don't get. Well, well usually they're yelling at me, so it's different. But I, I would. Well, at, least uh, at least you can hear them. Sure. Uh, I, I do, like one of my favorite podcasts I listen to every week plays a Belichick mumble in their open, which I just it makes me laugh every time. It's like. I like football, football things. I like football. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think Linda's is he? Are they married yet, or are they engaged? They're still engaged. Do you think she every once in a while she's like, "Speak up"? No, I think he does at home. Of course. Yeah. Then that's that's the but that's the whole trick. That's why it's incredibly immature and disrespectful, which is dumb. I mean, it's, it's, and that's why like you can tell on this game, I'm going to bet with my head, not with my heart. I would love to see that. I don't. I don't like the Patriots. Uh, I would love to see the Patriots lose, you know, 76 nothing, But I don't think that's going to happen. I'd like a tie. A tie. Yeah. I'm here for it. Can't wait. Can't wait, right? And the, the immortal uh, words of Bart Scott. Are words immortal? Sure. Did I get that right? All right. Caleb Herring. Die first. Bring some sense to the show. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good. I was enjoying the, the, I guess, senselessness of that conversation, but no, I just, it was pretty cool. I, I, I don't like Bill Belichick either, his demeanor and attitude, so I, I like listening to that. Good, good. <laughs> uh, before we get to UNLV football and a little bit on the Mountain West Conference, uh, you got out to the stadium, to the Owl, for a Raiders game. I did. I did. It was, I, You know, it's the first time I've been in a, a stadium as a fan in a very long time. I, I, I didn't realize until – at least as football games. It's the first time I've been in a long time to just be able to sit and enjoy the atmosphere because, you know, working with the radio was, uh, on Saturdays with football, it's not, you know, convenient to get back and go to an NFL game for me as a fan. Um, and then, you know, 
right after my playing career. I'd, I'd been playing for so long. I didn't have the money nor the time to go to you know an NFL game. But first time at a Legion for a Raiders game was freaking awesome. I enjoyed every second of it. And I think we've talked about, or you've talked about at least this week, how spoiled I think the Vegas fandom is with their sports team so far. Like, you get, you know, uh, a, a contender for the Cup, for the Stanley Cup and, you know, the Golden Knights right off the bat. And then you get for your first two home games with fans for the Raiders, it's two overtime thrillers where it's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not always like this, but I, I'm glad I got to enjoy it. That was a, a great game and a good fan experience for me. You know, I had somebody say uh, two days ago that I was talking to, like, it sucks. We've never won anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. you, you, what have you had? Like, I mean, it's not not really, you know, it's not every every franchise that has an opportunity to win something, right? Or every city, for that matter, that has an opportunity. And it's like we've maybe grown accustomed to losing in the fact that, you know, 90% of the time when you gamble in Vegas, you lose. So, yeah, you don't win a lot in Vegas, but I think as far as sports goes, you've had a great time with sports. And I think that's, as a fan, you can't lose sight of that. Yeah, you might not win everything. You might come up on the short end of the stick as a fan, but all honesty, you're not playing the game. If you're enjoying yourself as a fan, and some people enjoy themselves in losing seasons, and I, I was going to say a Jets joke, but I'll leave Steve alone with that. But you know, you can have fun and have a good time of being a fan of your, your, your team without necessarily winning all the time. Uh, but hey, that, that is what it is. Everybody has their own subjective opinion about it. As, as a fan, uh, now with a team in my home city, which Las Vegas is my home city now, and I have a team here, I, I appreciate the fact that I got to enjoy a great professional football game. What, what did you see from seeing the game in person, maybe a little different than on TV, of how are the Raiders succeeding despite not being able to block anybody? Uh, simply be Derek Carr and simply play. And this is, I've, I've been on the Derek Carr train for a long time. You guys can, can attest to that, um, that I, I appreciate what Derek Carr does. And one of my reasons last year uh, for him you know, and his success and how the Raiders' offense was successful was because the offensive line doesn't have to be good when your quarterback can fix it. And that's, I think, what I saw from Derek Carr. It's like there, there's so many things that he does in the small details of quarterbacking that I appreciate. And maybe it's not the glitz and glamour of, you know, laying down and, and throwing a, a pass while floating or a no-look pass or anything like that, but he does things that, that are that are exceptional at the position. So I, I appreciate Derek Carr more now watching him live as well. And then I, as a fan of the, the schemes of football, I always, and there's a petition going around for the Sky Cam to be the, the only cam for, for, you know, for, for the production on TV, I you don't get to see all 22 on, you know, on the production on TV. So I, I appreciate when I'm in the stand sitting there watching, this is true from the press box as well. I, I appreciate being able to see all 22 on the field and being able to say, Hey, he should have thrown it there. He should have thrown it there. He missed this as a quarterback, um, as opposed to kind of being in the dark as to where she throwing that ball. Is it open or not? So, um, and, and again, I, I say Derek Carr more often than not was thrown it to the right guy. And it was like, you know, just made me appreciate his game that much more. Uh, real quick before we move on to you, Novi stuff. Did uh, did you have a take on the interception to Moreau? He stopped the route. It seemed like he was maybe supposed to stop the route, but Carr kind of read it differently. What did you see on that play? So it, it was definitely disguise coverage. The Dolphins were were showing man that whole drive, and were especially tipping it off with um, following uh, Darren Waller around whenever it was man coverage. They had you know a specific matchup they wanted man to man. So Carr and everybody else initially read that coverage as man. 
um, wrote every, everybody read his man and got to the point of no return where you can't change your mind as a receiver. And by that I mean if you're going to settle in the zone on a shallow crossing route, you have to define that area. And I think it just got to that point where Carr said, okay, he hasn't defined it his own yet. He's going to keep running, and I'm going to trust him to keep running. I got pressure coming on me. I'm going to let it go and trust that he's going to keep going. And as he made that decision, receiver stops. And it's like, you know, one of those bad mix-up and reads where you go over in the iPad and everybody looks at the, oh, that's what happened. The end result of a pick six always feels worse than just a simple miscommunication of if you just keep running or if I see that you're going to stop a little bit earlier, it's, it's not a problem. But I think it was definitely a miscommunication on – the part of what the coverage was and, and if I should settle or keep running and continue my route through. So after the game, we were, you know, discussing that interception with Carr a little bit. And then as he walked off, we really started needling him about only beating UNLV by a few points for his alma mater at Fresno State. Uh, I think there's some good things to take out of that game. I know the uh, the catchphrase of no moral victories is floating around UNLV, but uh, that had to be a positive block to build on, right? No, 100%. I've been on that train as well. No more victories is very cliched, and I I think sometimes inappropriate. And this is one of those cases where you absolutely can can extract positive things from a loss. And maybe that's what moral victories mean. And, you know, literally there's no column for a moral victory. It's just wins, losses, sometimes ties. But there's no moral victory, right? So, obviously, we're not going to count it as a win. But there's absolutely things that you extract as positive from good games and you have to be completely reasonable with yourself and honest uh in assessing yourself as a team uh and i think this is one of those cases where you could say you did the majority 90 to 95 percent of the things that are necessary to win football games and because of that where the program is it has a lot to do with this too uh, when you're trying to build a program because of that position of where you are as a program because of the good that you were able to do you absolutely have to extract some of that positive and say you know what we're going to teach this because this is winning film we can coach off of this we can duplicate that performance and say you know what We're, we can win games doing that and i think in that sense you have to say that was a moral victory it's a really good game and I, this is not it wasn't a fluke of a game that they were in the game at the end right like they executed they had a good game plan they played well and just came up short and and lost what would have been a major upset of the season so i think absolutely you can extract good and by my definition that's moral victory I'm, maybe not the cliched version but that's that's definitely a moral victory. I I think I would make the case, and I'll, I'll get your take on it, that I don't know if it is yet until we see what happens next, right? Like, if you played close and, and you played a good game like they did, and I think everybody would agree on that, it's if you then go have a nice performance the next week, then, yeah, you say, hey, moral victory, you built on it, and you took a step forward. If you take a step back, I think you just throw out whatever good happened. Well, I think, and the way I'm looking at it, and this is my take, I'm looking at moral victory, accepting moral victories as a part of a process, right? So if you're continuing to make, accept moral victories as some, as an outcome, potentially, then you're, you're basically accepting the fact that you haven't arrived yet, but you've done something that, you know, constitutes repetition. And that, that's to say, you did something good, let's repeat that so that next time, we can do it again and then maybe do it better and build and build until we actually win. Once you win and get to a place where you're saying we're winning consistently, you don't need moral victories anymore. You've got the formula. You just keep doing the formula. But I think along the way, you have to take more victories as, as kind of building blocks to go to. Like you said, if you don't follow it up with a solid performance, I would say this, my, my take on it would be you haven't accepted the moral victory, and that's the problem. 
you you basically said it was a fluke that one performance was good and we did something good, but we don't really know what it was and we're not going to repeat it. And that's what you do when you don't extract the moral victory. You have to find the victories and the good and the winning um, winning plays to now duplicate in the next performance. So if you come out now, and in my estimation, if you duplicate Fresno State and what you did well in Fresno State, you should find a win in the following week. And that's, to me, best-case scenario. You do the same things you did, maybe fine-tune them, maybe don't get injured. You know, that's a big part of it. And then you now are able to win a football game, and then you keep continuing to duplicate that, and more victories aren't needed anymore. So that would be my take on, on, on that process, I guess. So what what did they do right? What did you see that was successful that they can continue to build on? I think they were offensively balanced, and I think that uh, as a, in terms of running the ball, passing the ball, and involving everybody that could be involved in a, a variety of ways, including the screen game. And I think that was uh, something that we had uh, we had been clamoring for, I think, for a couple of years now. For as long as I can remember as broadcasting the games, we've been saying that they could use their running backs who have been all – they've had talented running backs in the screen game a lot more. And you saw that with Charles Williams, a couple of big plays off of screen, um, as well as Tylee Collins, obviously. But – um, that's one piece of it. Um, I think they executed um, in critical situations, especially early when they got out to the 14-0 lead. I think they were perfect on third down up until you know, and built their 14 to nothing lead as a consequence of that. Um, again, perfect in the red zone, something they've been all year, but continuing that trend um, defensively. I think they were. This is probably the most kinetic we've seen them defensively, and I, by that I mean. Pre-snap movement, confusing Jay Kaner. There was times where he was confused and off his mark. Um, they were able to create pressure with a variety of different looks, not just blitzing, but just stunts, twists up front, and keeping Hainer off balance, as well as kinetic in the secondary, meaning they were on a string in coverage. And it's really hard to kind of dissect that without having the film in front of me to see it. But if you watch the game, they were passing routes off in zone coverage, communicating that the crossing routes coming through, and being really tight to receivers when the ball was delivered and challenging every pass. And I think anytime you do that, it makes it hard. Now, not saying they were great against the pass. Jay Kaner had a great day. I think he threw it for five touchdowns, ended up with 300-plus yards passing. But he had to make every throw just about perfect. Otherwise, it was incompletion. And that's kind of maybe caught Hainer off guard, maybe caught Fred instead of guard or Woodyman. These guys are really challenging us. When we start checking at the line, we start getting into our good stuff, deep into our bag. So, um, yeah, I think they did a lot of things good on, on, in all phases of, of the game. I think it's worth duplicating and, like I said earlier, worth extracting a moral victory from. That's the voice of Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback. You can hear him on the UNLV broadcast and on the Coach's Show coming up tonight, 6.30, out at Parkway Tavern. Correct? Wow, look at me. Well, you're, you're, like, oh, you're very shaky I was on asking. One. I was asking. Uh, you, was you know, right. 6.30, Parkway <laughs> right. Tavern on the south side of town. That was right. Out over by, by my house. Over by the M. Sure. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of UNLV football talk. During that hour, Let, let's get you on one last thing here. The fracturing, again, of the Mountain West Football Conference. It's your turn, Craig Thompson. What are you going to do here? Are you shocked that Colorado State uh, and Air Force want to leave? Air Force is not that shocking because Navy is in the AAC. Army could be in the AAC. Colorado State playing Temple and South Florida and Tulane. Enjoy the travel. And that's for all sports. Yeah, I, I'm a little shocked that those are the targets. And I guess there, there was some, I guess, speculation. I know how confirmed it was or not that they weren't the initial targets of the AAC. And I think Boise um, and San Diego State, I think, were also mentioned in that conversation of a potential target. But those teams opted out looking for bigger conferences to, to participate in. But 
Uh, I think it is shocking for Colorado State um, to say, you know, but I don't, in the same sense, think that it is because they're kind of forgotten about. They're kind of in no man's land in, uh, as far as uh, the Mountain West goes, where um, maybe they they get overlooked and are just trying to see and latch on to something because they maybe foresee Boise State, San Diego State, you know, maybe, maybe even Reno potentially moving on to these bigger conferences and, and kind of the decimation of the Mountain West wanting to get ahead of that, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't think. And a lot of people have been speculating that nobody trusts the commissioner of the conference. And maybe they see, you know, with the butterfly effect, so to speak, of Texas and Oklahoma and the cosmic shift in the college football landscape that that, uh, that, that has led to, maybe they foresee that the Mountain West maybe doesn't have a, a place um, in that when the dust settles and trying to find some stability elsewhere. Maybe that's where they are. Um, and every, every AD, every president, every program has that hurdle to go through and to look for. Um, especially when you're in a position like Colorado State where you have money, you have resources, and you want to expend them and want to be in the best possible position to, to maximize those resources and maybe just not seeing that future being in the Mountain West. I do like the Air Force move. I think for them it makes a lot of sense for, for like you said, the Navy and, and those rivalries potentially being in-conference rivalries now, but then also, like you said, for multiple other sports. I think Air Force has 20-plus sports that – also would be a part of the move, so they have those interests to look out for, even though we all know football kind of is king when it comes to the sports world and college football and the way the landscape falls out. But I think it's just a sign of how non-trusting, I guess, these programs are in the Mountain West and the future that is here. The fact that they're seeking actively to shop themselves and, and to latch on to something else is, is, I think, indicative of not trusting the Mountain West right now. Caleb, good job. Appreciate it, and I'll, uh, I'll see you, and I'll talk to you in about two hours on the Marcus Arroyo radio show. All right, tune in, guys. It's going to be some good stuff for the coach. I, I can't wait to see you there. There you go. Caleb Herring, former quarterback with the Rebels. Fat Pack is on the way, and then, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Dwayne's coming in. Colucci's coming in. We're going to find out what's going on at the sportsbook here at the Rampart, and uh, we might even bust his chops a little bit about the New York Giants. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. Oh, yeah. Leave it going. Leave it going. I want to hear it. In Las Vegas. I love the laughs and love the life. There's fun of every kind. Next time I come, I'll bring my wife. I'll do that if I lose my mind. That's the line I wanted. Next time I come, I'll bring my wife if I lose my mind. Right? Dino's like, it's Vegas. Come on now. Um, which plays perfectly into Fat Pack. We talk about food. We talk about relationships, fitness, lack thereof. And in this case, I wanted to talk a little stooping, right? So think back to when Sinatra, Joey Bishop, not mentioned often, uh, Dean Martin, Sammy, when they were in Vegas, I mean, San Sahara, you know, I'm not making light of adultery, but every once in a while, come on. The 
the servers, the cocktail waitresses. I mean, there's probably something going on, right? Two at a time. We'll we'll say we'll say we'll call that a workplace, sure. which led to a question. Maybe something's going on with Ari that we don't know about. Uh, led to a, a question that Ari sent over that he found on Twitter, just kind of random. Uh, Ty Tyra uh, posted, "Name a job where all the employees are having sex with each other." So well, I think your first thought is like, "Oh, like well, you know, porn industry." Like you go, you go right to perversion. Sure. But when you actually think about a lot of workplaces and how incestuous they can be, it does happen. Like Ari nailed, Ari nailed one of the easiest ones. Ari, what'd you say about a place you know where a lot of people are going at it? Quote, every restaurant slash food service place I've ever worked at. Billion percent. Sure. Well, in Billion the- percent. And because in most places, like, everyone here works on shifts, right? But everywhere else in the country, the night ends at a restaurant. Well, restaurants close here, too. You're getting off at the same time. Yeah, you're all getting off at the same time. And then you, you go get off at the same time. Hey! Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you're all amped up. And the people you hang out with, right? And it's like, it's 11, it's 12. The people you want to hang out with are the restaurant crew. Right or the bar crew. You're also so, so all, Ari, na- Ari nailed that one. Yeah, like when I saw this question on the rundown, because yes, we do actually prepare for the show. Uh, I was like, oh, this is easy. Restaurants, restaurants. Like, oh. and, then, name- and then I saw underneath. I was like, oh, that's, that's what he said. I mean, can you name another one? Well, it's really bars and nightclubs is the bigger one. I mean, that's it, right. it's insane. It's also to add in what you were saying. You're at a restaurant. You're dealing with customers all day. They're obnoxious. They're awful. And then as you clean up at the end of the night, you're also all doing shots. Oh, that's <laughs> like, it. Just to like, calm down. Yeah, we're cleaning up. Let's go. Yeah. Just like, that's, that's how it goes. Can you, so, name, can you name another one that you might have experienced? And I'm not well, saying you're doing it. Well, I was actually going to say something, and I said, yeah, I better not say that here. <laughs> okay, which one? No comment. Newspapers? No. It's the opposite. Sure. Okay. Ari, <laughs> what's the next choice on the list? I don't know if I'm being set up for a... No, not at all. I, I didn't really have one. I was thinking of some older jobs. This is kind of similar, but I, I did for a very, very quick spell. I did club promoting. Well, you worked at a strip club. That absolutely. So yeah, but that... But it didn't happen there for you, huh? Contrary to <laughs> popular belief. No, I was quite repulsed, actually, at a lot of things. Or, on. Yeah, 200 girls on staff and seven guys. It doesn't... Um, no, there I'll, were, give, I'll give you the easy one. on staff. Airplanes. I'll give you the easy one. Well, people answer that one. Yeah. Uh, Flight attendants and pilots. But I'll give you the easy one. Radio is actually very incestuous. Now, it may not be. I knew it. It may not. I don't care. (laughs) Why do you think I put it in the show? Um, It may not be now because of COVID. And, and like, in our office, no one's around. But most radio stations, especially ones that have music stations, like, if it's a sports group, I mean, I guess it could happen. But in all-guy environment, you're probably not getting heterosexual cross-pollination. But. Um, I know from working in newspapers and now in radio that it happens, and, and not to spill the beans, but in our building, I think it's calmed down because everyone's gotten older. Yeah. But when I first got there, it was absolutely happening. And from what I hear, like the rock and roll crazy days of the 80s and 90s, the cross-pollination was happening all the time. Well, the 80s and 90s didn't end until like 2007 that's, that's in what our I mean. building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, yeah, I, I yes, I, but I think it's, I think it's like all jobs in all workplaces. I mean, there, there's probably some that aren't necessarily. You think like, but if you're hanging out, like, think it's, especially in the world now, yeah. nobody, nobody really meets anybody outside of their circle. You think it's worse now than it used to be? No apps have helped, but there, there was a time 
where you just didn't meet anybody that was outside your circle, so you just went with whoever was around you. My guess is that it happens less now because of violations that have happened, and sure. especially on our side, the guys sure. were so aggressive, acting like animals, that now, you know, I think a lot of it's been finished. Yeah, I mean, it's like been, it's, it's been not, cut off of the past. It's not Mad Men anymore, <laughs> right? A lot of people form bonds, I will say, though. And I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, take sex out of the equation and, and take two people that, you know, that, that happens a lot. I've been in this business quite some time. I've met some cool people and nothing happened. But, like, you talk to these people, you can relate to them. we got to deal with the same things, so. I've met some cool people and nothing happened. <laughs> That's more about you and your game, isn't it? No. Or, are you, or are you suggesting that? You're mature enough as a guy that you can actually have a platonic I'm relationship. I'm suggesting that we, people in this business, based on what you just said, too, there's a lot of consequences, can have mature relationships with one another and not just sex. <laughs> Jerk. All That's right. how it is in the 2000s nowadays. Welcome. I just, we're, both, we're both stymied by well, that. We're stymied there, by there's so much material. Well, something happened here, too, that I, I couldn't. Oh, you're all thrown I was up. very distracted. <laughs> you know, remember when uh, I could not focus after the popcorn would be carried? Like the 50-pound bag of popcorn used to be dragged at, by at us? At the T&M, yeah. Uh, something here. Just, I, I can't even. I, Can I, we run it by Colucci? No, well, it has nothing to do with the place. Oh, okay. It's cu- it was so the customer. customer. Yeah. Okay, I guess you'll tell me during the break. I've never, well, I've never... Tell me during the break, and we'll see if we can bring okay. it on the air. All, All right. right. Well, I'll, I'll be the uh, I'll be the decider. Angel, you one. saw it? I don't think okay. you did. All I don't right. think you did. Good. All right. There you go. Fat Pack on a Wednesday. This is brought to you by our friends uh, over at the Parkway Tavern. Marcus Royal Radio Show is going down 630 to 730 tonight. Enjoy happy hour there with the uh, three bucks on the domestic draft. House Wine and Well Cocktails. It's the location down by the M on Volunteer. Marcus Royal Radio Show is right around the corner. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company is live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. All right, let's talk some sportsbook biz. The guy here at Rampart is Dwayne Colucci. We got him on the horn. What's up, Dwayne? How you guys doing today? We're good. I want to start breaking down some games in a second, but I want to get your take on where the Raiders are right now. Do you believe in the start? And uh, how is the sportsbook industry, how are you guys treating them in terms of respect? Well, you definitely have to respect them, Steve, just because of the fact that now the public is starting to really back them when they get a sense of how good they're playing and whether they feel it's luck or not, you know, to back a Las Vegas NFL team. It's definitely a unique situation. So us as bookmakers, we definitely have to protect ourselves and keep an eye out on the action because it's blind action, similar to the Vegas Golden Knights. They just come in, they bet them because it's their home team, and that's how the public in Las Vegas is, and they really love to back a winner. We have saw that in the past couple of seasons with the Golden Knights. And the Raiders' market value, I tell you, Derek Carr is playing fast. I mean, this this kid is just unbelievable. Waller is playing well. The defense has stepped up in some uh, key situations. So definitely a team to watch. This is a big, big matchup this weekend, though. We'll get a true gauge of how really, uh, you know, good they are. And that's the sense I get. But the public is definitely backing them. And as, as bookmakers, we have to keep an eye on that. So three and a half this week. I think I haven't turned around here. I think it's, it's where you, where it's at for uh, the game with the Raiders going to the Chargers. How 
how do you determine a home field number in a game like this? Short trip, obviously, for the Raiders. Uh, I saw projections that it's going to be 74% Raiders fans in the building. So I don't think you can give a full home field, you know, three points for the Chargers. How do you kind of determine that? Yeah, definitely. The Chargers are one of those unique teams where they don't have the complete home field advantage, even with the move to SoFi now. And, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers, it sounds funny. Uh, definitely they don't have the same backing that they did uh, back in the day in San Diego. There's going to be a ton of Las Vegas Raider fans there traveling. It's a short commute. It's a huge stadium. So, yeah, you definitely don't take the three points. Uh, value as if they were playing, say, the Cowboys or somebody like that who have a definite fabulous, even more than possibly a three-point home advantage. So this is going to be interesting to see how loud that stadium is with Las Vegas Raider fans. And it's a great point, guys. You can't take three points with the Chargers into consideration. There's going to be a huge commute. Like I said, this is a big, big matchup. Three and a half at the Rampart and South Point currently. 52 and a half. I'm anticipating a great, great matchup. So would you think Chargers, what, one and a half, two on a neutral field? Uh, yeah, probably. I would say that, Adam. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, you know, uh, this is interesting in the fact that the Chargers were the better team, in my opinion, coming into the season. But now the Raiders have somewhat elevated their play. But the Chargers played some real good games. I mean, last week was definitely the measuring stick. They were able to beat the Chiefs, and that was huge. Uh, you know, Herbert looked like he was right back to his, uh, you know, what we call freshman or rookie season. He played fabulous. He's got some excellent wide receivers there. We know that. The, definitely the uh, Raiders secondary is going to be tested. And they played good against the Cowboys. They played good against uh, the uh, football team out there in Washington. And then just a uh, peak last week. So there could be a possibility of a letdown here, but uh, the Raiders will definitely be looking to capitalize that on that if that's possible. And I know Coach Gruden has this team playing very well. We're at the Rampart, Cofield and Company on the road at the Sportsbook during NFL games. Draft beer, Bud, Bud Light, McUltra, Golden Road. Just two bucks, bottles, three bucks. Uh, you got your parlay special still going, right? On a $50 parlay or bigger? Yeah, you get $5 off the uh, buffet brunch. Also, you get a selection, uh, or you could choose between a selection at our clubhouse deli of uh, fingers, uh, hot dog, and burgers. So we have a lot of coupons going on. Also, remember, any $10 parlay card with a Rampart Rewards card, and you get uh, involved in that drawing, $750 at halftime of the Monday night game. And just remember to activate your tickets at our kiosk. Because anytime you bet, you get an entry fee. You just have to activate those at one of our kiosks on a Monday. So we got a lot of fabulous stuff going on tied into the parlay cards, tied into the football. Like you said, the food specials. We got the Tacoholic Little Taco stand there that is definitely a street taco success. A lot going on at the Rampart for the football. You guys know that. Is anyone beating you in the Beat the Bookie contest? <laughs> Well, I'm getting better each week there, guys. Uh So, you know, I'm starting to make it more and more difficult on the public. You know, I I always explain to the public, I'm a gambler myself, Steve. So, you know, if I'm involved and I'm involved without a point spread, I'm going to try to pick, you know, the the teams I like. And it's a little easier without the point spread. I always try to explain that to the Rampart public. And I think I had 11 wins this week. So, and uh, I also did have a, a fabulous showing in the gaming today, uh, Bookie Battle, 
Uh, I think I had my tops. I might have had 12 in that one. And they're still doing that online. And you can follow my picks online there as well. All right. I mean, you know this team well. You can call me a moron for saying this, but I'm on the Giants. I'm on the New York Giants plus eight, plus seven and a half. (laughs) Uh, He laughs. He laughs. Oh, no. I'm on the wrong side. No, hey, you know, they have a chance. We're starting to see a little action come in on the New York football Giants, believe it or not. You know, uh, it, it was an eight opener. We're seeing good two-way action. We're sitting at eight. Normally, you would expect us to get plied with tons of Saints money, but that's not the case here. And I, I'm not sold on Jameis Winston, I'll tell you guys. You know, he's shown flashes of brilliance, but then also you have those setbacks and those bad games. So definitely the Giants... Uh, I believe the coach is on the hot seat, guys. So that's an important factor. I think Jason Garrett, is, he hasn't been calling the games all that well from the offensive coordinator side. So there's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff. I think the Giants are going to try to come out and prove something this week. But they're playing a very difficult team. And, you know, that's a reflection in the point spread. Minus eight, New Orleans. 42 is the total at the Rampart in the South Point. But definitely you have a chance. I'm, I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> well, I think everyone's laughing at both of us. Um, I'm a Jets fan. You know the Jets and the Giants, the last 57 games, are both 18 and 39? That's incredible because you would think that the Jets would have been much worse on that oh. side. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting that they have an equal record. And all that the Jets have gone through, you, you expect a little more from Daniel Jones and the Giants. Of course. You kind of knew Zach was going to have a lot of trouble this year. And it's a rebuilding, you know, with Robert Sala there. It's a rebuilding stage for the Jets. They gave up on Donald. They went in a different direction. So, yeah, that's really shocking. I didn't know that myself, that they had equal records, and especially playing in a tougher division that the Jets do over the last few years because the NFC East was like the NFC least uh, for a couple of years there, guys. So, And that includes my Cowboys. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of that, but the Jets will improve. I think they'll get better as time goes on. We're seeing them as a seven-point underdog this week, and that's because you have a lot of injuries on the Tennessee uh, wide receiving core, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Jets could hang tough with this uh, Tennessee team. Dwayne, you're the best. We appreciate you having us out here on property. Thanks so much. Oh, guys, you deserve it, and thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you guys on the property. And like I said, hit me up for dinner. Open invitation, guys. All right. We'll take it up. Thanks, Dwayne. There he is, Dwayne Clucci, head of the book here at the Rampart. Five o'clock hours on the way. Uh, Get to some VGK news. Get to some crappy news around the Raiders. And also, uh, first availability today for the Running Rebels, UNLV basketball. We'll be playing in just over 40 days. And we have a quick conversation with Marvin Coleman, one of the vets. He's back, and he's healthy. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.